Welcome back, everybody. We got another episode of Thoughts from the Movies this week. I'm joined by the boys, Zach and Austin and Derek. Yo, yo. Uh, Josh Elsass was supposed to be back on the show, our regular uh, co-host, and he decided to go and get himself exposed to COVID. So he is spending another two weeks uh, somewhere in the wilderness, uh, isolated and abandoned, and uh, we wish him well in his recovery. But uh, we're going to do another week or two with the crew here. So... This week's pick is just about on the same level as Schindler's List. And Halloween. Uh, and Halloween. And Halloween. <laughs> I'd say it's just about just about even with Schindler's List and Halloween. Uh, this is 2006 Lucky Number Slevin, a crime thriller, comedy, drama, crazy cast. Uh, rom-com. Uh, uh, rom-com. There's, there's a lot going on here. There's really a lot of things going on here. Um, Derek, this was your pick, but before we get into that, you have something you have to share with everyone, right? It is. What's going on, guys? Thoughts of the Movies is live today from the Union Fitness Studios. Located on the north shore of Pittsburgh, Union Fitness is more than a traditional gym. It is a place where you can transform yourself inside and out with a variety of classes based around fitness, yoga, strength, and performance training. At Union Fitness, they believe that it is their duty to hold themselves and their clients to a higher standard. They practice what they preach and uphold the values that make Union Fitness the community that it is. Go to unionfitness.com today. Sign up for a consultation. Through Union, there is strength. There is strength. Thank you very much for that, Reed. And now, Derek, this was your pick. Woo! So take us through this. Uh, why did you pick this movie? I know you're a yes. big fan of it. We talked about it uh, towards the tail end, or at some point in the Schindler conversation. It was the, last ben, week. the ben Kingsley thing got brought That's up. That's right. Because I thought ben he was Kingsley. in Halloween instantly, and he wasn't. Then he was in Schindler's List. Mm. And um, So I used to go over to my buddy Caleb's house, and we would just, like, during the day, we would just watch movies. And it was, like, this weird thing because I never watched movies on my own. So, like, in high school and everything, we, it would just go over and we'd just put movies on. And Lucky Number Slevin was one of the ones we always threw on. And it's funny because as I started getting into more movies and understanding more genre and everything, you start recognizing the names in this movie yeah. and, like, the significant impacts of, of having Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Tucci, like, all these guys in it. And I just – I remember watching it the first time because I was talking to Zach about, like, did it hold up to my personal expectations when I watched it again? Mm -hmm. There's definitely parts where I'm like, oh, that was kind of lame or, oh, that was too long or that was weird. But the story itself, I just adore. Like, it's a whole whodunit type of thing that you find out bits and pieces. So mm -hmm. I, just, I just adore the movie. Did you, uh, Austin, Zach, have you guys seen this before? I've never seen this movie. It was always one that I, like, saw on Netflix and then just scrolled right past. I think because Josh Hartnett was in it. I was like, pass. <laughs> but have you guys seen it before? I had, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, no, I have not seen this before. Um, the name alone was interesting to me because I always thought it was, you know, lucky number seven where it was lucky number Slevin. So I was, like, trying to find a – you know, lucky number seven movie. I can't fucking find it. So <laughs> now I find out that it's Slevin. So that's my take. I've never seen it. Watched it. It was great. What do you got for a sec? Yeah, I spent like 30 minutes on Amazon last night trying to figure out how to put an upside down seven in the search bar to find it. But uh, <laughs> once I figured it out, you, you know. Just, Zach, you just take the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. And you just, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it turns out. Uh, I'd watched the trailer and I was like, I know I've seen bits and pieces of this movie, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Well, yeah. we are then all first timers except for Derek, which is exciting. Yeah. So let's look at what we are going to talk about tonight on the show. And we have our list of 
topics. We as do always. have also a comment from uh, the man who wishes he was here who gave us pizza. Uh, Lucky number Slevin is like a studio's attempt to make Pulp Fiction using a series of writers and people instead of one brilliant man who is creating his masterpiece. We'll get into that. That's interesting. We'll get into that because uh, Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece comes in a lot of different forms. But <laughs> here are the topics for this evening, guys. Topic number one, quite the quote. Number two, all the actors' worst movie, which, fuck you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, a tale as old as time. Is it? Okay. Number four, better than, worse than. I uh, love the topic. Uh, number five is just harsh or Josh Harsh. We got to talk about him. Yeah, 100%. carries the movie and, and, you know, interesting guy. Number six, what a twist. Mm-hmm. And number seven, lucky number 11, two. All righty. Is a lot clearly, of good stuff on there. Clearly yeah. my topic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, a lot of cool stuff we're getting into tonight. So first category, quite the quote. Uh, and I think this is Austin's pick. Uh, the writing of this movie, I personally thought the dialogue was fucking brilliant. Very fast-paced, very witty, great back and forth between a lot of the characters. Um, but Austin, you brought this one up, right? This is your topic. Yeah, Take I us did. through it, bud. So for those that know my father, he loves movies with quotes. Big movies, uh, one of his favorites was uh, from the Bourne series where he talked about, you know, burying people and saying, well, you do, you still have it. You know, she's like, yep, still got the shovel. So there's all sorts of quotes that go into this. And this movie alone has a number of quotes that in my mind are either hit or miss. So I'm going to read off some they and you guys are going to tell me. Bastard. They are all hit and you know it. <laughs> I just the weirdest ways that they pronounce it that are in, but you guys are going to tell me if it's hit or miss in your opinion. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, there's one right here from uh, Slevin himself that says, I'm going to say what any man with two penises would say when his tailor asks him if he dresses right or left. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh man. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> that one definitely threw me for a minute when I heard it. I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. This I see that's the thing about this movie is like I don't think it's cheesy at all. Like it's definitely a little campy at times. They focus a lot on making it very stylized and it's not as serious as it could or should or or maybe in another lifetime is, but I it's like more fun than that. Like they took what could have been a very serious plot and just made it like yeah. very fun and i think that's part of it yeah. the, you know part of the like those quotes in the writing so yeah i thought that was a great quote that was hilarious to me I, once when that. i got it i was like oh i've never heard that one before because <laughs> quotes like that in movies like this where it takes longer to set it up than the joke is worth are some of my favorite things she's like what are you gonna say well i'm gonna tell him anything the man with two penises says when he goes to the tailor and then there's like a transition scene it, like it's a fast one obviously but like the fact that it took that long to set up a joke that he just said yes is like, oh, I thought it was just stupid humor, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I mean, it was just new. I never heard something like that. So, thumbs up for me on that one. Uh, Zach, any uh, expertise on that, my friend? Having two dicks? Yeah. <laughs> can you tell us what that's like and having to dress, uh, you know, put your pants on one leg at a time or two at a time? or? I mean. How do you do it? You, I, you know, it's, it's a process, you know, but yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's all yes. it is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love Couldn't it. Couldn't have nice. said it better myself. <laughs> love it. All right. What's the next quote, Austin? All right. Uh, one for um, Mr. Goodcat himself. Uh, Charlie Chaplin entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest in Monte Carlo and came in third. Now, that's a story. This is 
something else. Yeah. So this is at the beginning when he's telling him he's like uh, introducing the story about like the the past with the hitman killing you know the mobs killing these people yeah, and yeah. the little kid and everything and which just starts the movie off and um, the guy at the airport who we later find out is uh, Nick Fisher mm-hmm. goes wow man that's quite a story and then Bruce Willis rattles that off which is interesting and that's factual I mean that's that's a true story with Charlie Chaplin coming in third in a Chaplin lookalike contest so that actually did happen. Um, no. Yeah, no, it it did. Yeah. That's well known. Wow. Yeah, very surprisingly. So you know, it's just like thing like. <laughs> would you be upset in. if you're him? Like, would you, you, no. <laughs> no, not, not like not like upset to the point where you're angry and gonna sue people. But would you be like, wow, what the fuck am I? Like, or would I you would, think it was funny. I, I, what do you guys think? I'd probably be like amused by it. Like, what well, really? Like, yeah. man, you guys clearly aren't. I would kind of take it as I would kind of take it as like a compliment, right? Because if your character is like so big. And you come in third, and you're the actual guy. That means like you got, you've inspired so much in people. How do you think Borat would do in a lookalike contest, Zach? Because that's the guy. Like not obviously a a parallel to Charlie Chapman, but that's an iconic character of our generation that many people. Very nice. I'm starting to be concerned that I'm getting asked about two dicks and like Borat. Like I don't know what I did. What kind of vibes? That's the reputation that precedes you. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, I think Borat would do. I mean, Sasha Baron. I'm sure he would do all right. But, yeah. Uh, Have you seen the second one? Yes. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like that that scene in it with where he is just getting to America. Oh yeah, and, he, and he, everyone's he recognizing anything. him. Yeah. 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 And he's like, off. "No, I'm not bored. I'm not bored." He's mm-hmm. trying to run away, but they all recognize him. Yep. In regard to the Charlie Chaplin thing, though, uh, imagine if it was like the end of his career. Like I don't know how he died or what his situation was like, but imagine he's like in dire straits and he's just trying to like scrounge up some cash he's like i'm gonna enter this fucking lookalike contest and then he comes in third he's like no like it's fucking me guys like i need the money come on <laughs> well there wasn't there a game show where they had like three people on and you had to guess which one of them was the real one i remember that from Ooh. catch me if you can um, he's like i'm the real frank abagnale and it's like all three of them are trying to convince the audience they are the real one that's awesome yeah but i can't remember what that show was called but um i don't recall all right austin next quote what do you got okay we're doing uh, quite the point- quote which are austin's uh, some of his favorite quotes from this incredibly goofy movie yep um so this one is between slevin and the boss where it says who are you i'm the boss i thought he was the boss why do we look alike <laughs> I thought that was hilarious yeah that's kind of a baller thing to say you know like yeah, i'm the yeah. boss you know he was the boss does he look like me like that's that's kind of a badass if you keep going with the quote to morehead he basically gets to the point where he goes well a second ago or a second ago you thought I was him. And Slevin goes, yeah. no, I thought he was you. Which I thought is like such a funny respect clarification because mm-hmm. the boss is like, oh, well, you thought that I was a bodyguard or something. He's like, no, 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 I thought the bodyguard was the boss. Like, there's there's a difference there. So just to lean off that quote, that is one of my, my favorite interactions of the movie. Yep. Yeah. It's like a uh, Marcellus Wallace, like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, like, what does he look like? Does he look like a bitch? You know, it's kind of like one of those <laughs> yes, changes. yes, yes, yeah. Another uh, Pulp Fiction like? reference about of, of, well, which this movie is compared to a lot as sort of like a watered down version. And Josh, you know, he mm-hmm. put his uh, interesting thing in there in the comments about you know that's one guy's genius take on it, and this is like a bunch of people's take on the same movie that isn't quite as good. Um, I, I I don't know why, man, but one of the quotes I always get from Pulp Fiction is like, "That's one of them Hawaiian burgers, isn't it? That's good." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, we don't uh, want to. We, yeah, we'll save that for the Tarantino episode though, which Josh yeah. will love. But, uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Next, do you have the rabbi quote in there too? 
Uh, well, there's a lot of rabbi quotes in here. Get so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so one that I actually enjoy here is between him and Mr. Goodcat, where he was like, ta- um, that he was talking about, like, you'd probably come in here and say, look at them yanks. And then it goes in and says, well, we're not friends and you hate baseball. Then why the fuck are you here? Like that was <laughs> one of like popping in town. Like, oh saying, shit. Them yanks. I love that. Austin. <laughs> I just have to shout out to Mr. Goodcat in the movie, who is Bruce Willis uh, as the hitman named Mr. Goodcat. And he's got crazy hair, crazy facial hair in this movie. I mean, he's Bruce Willis, but the look of him in this movie is very uh, interesting at times. So he's a very fun character we'll talk more about later. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Uh, quote, Austin. Another interesting one from the rabbi is, the first time someone calls you a horse, you punch him in the nose. The second time someone calls you a horse, you call him a jerk. But the third time someone calls you a horse... Well, then perhaps it's time to go shopping for a saddle. I almost turned the movie off right then. I'm not going to lie. I almost turned it off. Uh, that was, who was that, Ben Kingsley that said that, yes. right? Yeah. 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 Oh, Zach. It's just hard <laughs> to go from him showing, you know, Liam Neeson, like, this list is life. All around this list is life, too. Better grab your saddle. You yeah. know, like. Someone calls you a horse, you punch him in the nose. Yeah. The second time someone calls you a horse, you call him a jerk. It was the third just time hard someone calls you a horse, But see, me. that's what I like this movie is that it like takes familiar sayings and does something different with them. Because that's the same thing as saying, you know, if it looks like a duck and, yep. and quacks like a yes. duck and walks like a duck, you know, it's a duck. But yeah. it's a totally different version of that that I had never heard before. So I, I credit that to the writing for being different at the very least. Even 100%. if it's, even if it's you know, cheesy and goofy. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. One that I have here that I'll say real quick because I thought it was kind of the weirdest quote to end a movie on, and it was, "I'm you, I'm Good Cat. You can call me Mister Good Cat." And I was like, "What the f-? like? That's the that's the quote you end the movie on? God damn it!" <laughs> oh man, Zeke is unamused to the fullest. It's not that I'm unamused. Yeah. It's that your guys' non-literary understanding brains don't get how awesome of an end is. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are the main ones that I can think of. Are there any quotes that you guys picked up that you – I know, Derek, Uh-oh. you said you have a lot of them memorized. Zach, apparently you got one. You're putting your finger up. I have one. Yeah, I have okay. one. And I think it precedes the saddle one and was the first time I almost turned the movie off. And I think it's within the first five minutes. And it, I was kind of thinking, like, last week we, I talked about Schindler's List in the first 10 minutes being, like, almost like this magnum opus of, like, film. And the first 10 minutes of this movie were, I came to appreciate it, but I, like I said, I didn't remember the film, and I thought this was supposed to be, like, a serious all-around movie. And when you think that's what you're watching, and you're not understanding that, like, it's kind of, like, comedic and shit. Mm-hmm. You just think, oh, my God, this is fucking awful. But at one point, Bruce Willis is telling uh, who we find out is actually Nick Fisher the story. And Nick Fisher, I think, says, fuck, shit, shit. Jesus. Jesus. And Bruce Willis goes, fuck, shit, Jesus is right. And I was <laughs> just like, nope, nope. Yeah. I, I don't think I can do this. And he said it in, like, the most Bruce Willis way, too. Yeah. Like, just pure yep. Yep. Bruce. Like, yep. so serious. And I was just like, oh, my God. I don't know, guys. Yeah. That's when I knew what we were in for. I'm like, okay. I see what they're doing here. They're setting the tone. I still thought it was serious at that point. I was fucking terrified. <laughs> I always, I always <laughs> love the engagement scary. with uh, when he first meets Elvis, who is the boss's henchman. 
and Schmo's trying to talk to him the whole time, the other guy, and he, like, can't get his things right. And I was just like, hold on. And so they start explaining it, but he's like, so I was told to come pick up the – I was told to pick up the cat in this apartment. You might not be Nick Fisher, but you are the cat in this apartment. And the whole breakdown of that I just adored because it's like – they threw, obviously, a lot of the cliches of the rabbi and the boss and the people that follow him and, like, went head over heels, like, in depth into, like, the nth degree of what the division was between their friendship originally, which you don't find out. But the yeah. quotes from both sides when they meet him and the fact that the one guy's mute and it's just, like, mm-hmm. I-, I thought those interactions and those things in the apartment were so quick and witty that I loved. Can we talk about when the boss's henchmen come to get Nick Fisher and we get uh, the dude that played Bubba from Forrest Gump? So, yeah. like, the man has no upper lip almost, right? So he comes in, and he grabs Nick Fisher by the throat, mm-hmm. and you just see, like, teeth and throat and him just kind of gliding. It was like Dracula. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this looks like a fucking vampire movie. Where that wasn't actually the in. guy from Forrest Gump, was it? <laughs> if, if it's not, I'm going to feel like a real asshole. <laughs> is, that, is that the same guy, the guy who plays slow, Bubba? Slow, slow. Yeah, that's nice. What, is I, it? I, so I did Ma, not know Ma, that. McKelty Williamson. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And okay. then uh, McKelty Williamson uh, back well, Bubba. out here. Bubba, Bubba Gump. Because I was like, "What the fuck is going on yeah. with old boy's teeth?" And I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, it's Bubba." I did yeah. not. I did not pick up on that. That's amazing. But um, Josh throws in the quote, uh, classic Boondock Saints quote. Yep. <laughs> the Irish bartender. Why don't you make like a tree and get the fuck out of here? Always mixing up his uh, idiosyncrasies. Hilarious. Uh, okay. Hilarious quotes there from a very hilarious movie, which I think we're going to appreciate the further we get into this conversation. Oh, I love it. Uh, next category. We have Zach's category. Is this all of the actors in it worst movie? Zach? Yes. I think so. <laughs> so I feel fairly confident. Okay. And uh, I'm going to hit IMDb real quick. And yeah. let's just start with Bubba. Let's start with Bubba. I can't speak for anything else that uh, this gentleman that played Bubba and Forrest Gump was in. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I have Forrest Gump and Lucky Number Seven. And okay, Bubba's well, if, it's, if those are your options, yeah, then. Bubba's. Uh, you know, Forrest Gump's edging yeah. that one out. Bruce Willis, and so this is where it gets difficult because like Bruce Willis has been in some pieces of shit recently. But I'm well, talking we about. Have to do, I mean, the whole cast of this movie, though, is like A-list all around. This is one of the craziest yeah. casts yeah. ever. Yeah. You got yeah. Hart, you have, I mean, Hartnett at the time, Bruce Pearl Willis, Hartnett. Lucy Liu, yeah. Ben Kingsley, Morgan Freeman, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a lot of them. Here's so, the thing. Even, even Babe Ruth had a bad game here and there. He's still Babe Ruth. Like, this movie still had the, the cream of the crop of, like you said, you know. Yeah. So so I, shut up, Zach. I'll, I'll walk it back. <laughs> I'll walk it back a little bit. But this is nowhere near any lead in this movie's best film by a long shot like this is nowhere close to being bruce willis's best to right being ben kingsley's best to being morgan freeman's best to being lucy Liu's best to being hartnett's best like yeah but you're saying it's their worst i mean like bruce willis has done like 90 movies and i haven't seen probably half of them but there's definitely gonna be some pieces of shit in there maybe so because here's the thing you have to assume that they probably weren't in great movies at the beginning of their career so we'll look we'll look but just after pulp fiction yeah that's where i'll, I'll stick with yeah like this. i refuse to have anybody tell me that this is a better movie than the fifth element i'll give you my fucking address you can meet me in my house like <laughs> the fifth ma- it's up there with armageddon <laughs> yeah like six cents they were in 
He's in a lot of movies. Yeah. So like leading up from not their beginning of their career and mm-hmm. probably nothing that any of these people have done since the movie came out. Let's say up until this point, this might have been the worst big movie that these names were in at this time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment. You guys agree with that? But I also don't know the entirety of everybody's filmography. But well, I just found one that I'm really interested about. <laughs> oh, what? That I'm going to bring up for everyone to oh, see. Geez. What? Live <laughs> on camera. Austin, you are unable to see this. Just a warning. I, I got the stream up, so we're good. Bruce Willis voiced Spike, the dog, for Rugrats, and Rugrats Go Wild. Was this movie better <laughs> than Rugrats? <laughs> I think Bruce probably had better dialogue at Spike than he did in this movie. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I'll die on that hill. I'll die on that hill. <laughs> Rugrats Go Wild, is that, a, this, is that a second Rugrats movie? I think That's so. One, Rugrats the first one, just Paris the Rugrats, Rugrats the... movie was just the Paris. first one. So, so this is the one with the, uh, the Thornberries, so that's why Spike can talk. Oh, so it's this like was, a crossover. Yeah, the crossover oh, with the Wild Thornberries. So, so <laughs> Bruce Willis voiced Spike when he talked to Eliza. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I thought he was just making all the noises that Spike made. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's just a dog. Yeah. 2003, what a crossover that was. Yeah. No more Avengers. Rugrats and uh, Wild Thornberries. <laughs> Josh puts in the chat, I felt so bad for Lucy Lou. She was dumbed down and made to be an idiot. And I, I semi-agree and semi-don't agree. I definitely think, and again, you know, reflecting oh. the times of 2005, 2006, her character is a bit marginalized. Um I think that she had a role for sure. I mean, she was doing a lot of the, of the detective work, but she also had some of that cheesy, like, I just met this guy and now I'm in love with him type of thing. And that whole, like, romantic subplot I thought was just, like, borderline didn't, a waste. Didn't live up yeah. to my memory of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get what I don't think – I get what Josh is saying. I don't know if I'd say she was dumbed down, but her role was definitely, like – I don't think that she was used to her fullest extent. No, I don't think the character was or Lucy Liu was because the character is the only person in the movie that was unaccounted for, which I think is a very, very crucial part to her character because in this plot that they've been making for 25 years now, she was the only variable they did not plan for. And that's why at the end, you know, they, they live, they leave together and all this. But I do think that there's something to be said about the fact that Lucy Liu starts off as, you know, she comes in and I think what Josh is talking about, she comes in with just a bra on and a robe to Nick's apartment. And then she basically is kind of being annoying in a sense with the cup of sugar conversation, not annoying, but kind of like I'm going to be cute and annoying because this guy's naked in the kitchen um, to then she's like, oh, yeah, I found out this body. And he's like, how'd you do that? She's like, I didn't mention I was a coroner. And, like, it starts turning around to be this whole, like, oh, no, she she's a very smart individual. She's not the annoying, half-naked, beautiful woman across the hall. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, a very lackluster of the times character development. So I don't know if she was dumbed down because she was the part that kind of figured it all out. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, even when she comes in for the cup of sugar, he's like, I thought you said you needed to borrow a cup of uh, sugar. And she was like, no, like, if I needed to borrow just sugar i would have brought a cup or some some shit like that you know so it's like yeah she's like you know kind of witty but also like aware of like she knows what she said you know yeah he's trying to like trip her up and she's not fucking having it i think part of her role is very uh smart i mean as as like the one doing the detective work and the coroner aspect of it and everything but then there's also part of it that's just like only there for exposition and like to give josh hartnett the answers and stuff and yeah. she's almost like a cop-out in the sense of like she's just telling him 
in useful information to move the story along. You know, like she's just used in that sense. So almost like almost like a gossiping friend, if you really think about it. Like, oh, I have this. I need to tell you this. I need to like something like that along the lines. I yeah, think. she's just very convenient. She's like, oh yeah, I called my friend who works at that hotel yes. that happened to be the same exact hotel that he's staying at, yeah. and I have a friend that works there, of course. And she said that she saw him or it's, whatever. It's like the uh, like the owl in Clash of the Titans. It's just like here's this like uh, you know companion to help you get through the shit that you can't fucking figure out on your own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just show up to give exposition and then they disappear again until they're needed. In the story, yep. and it's and it creates a sense of uh, it's not very organic in the way it moves forward because you have this person just coming in to say, "Hey, you need to do this," and then they leave, and then they pop in yeah. and they say, "Hey, by the way, here's some information," and then they leave. Like they're not built, they're not properly built into the story, and that's I think where that whole like lame romantic subplot comes yes. from to try to give her a way to like actually stick around, but it just didn't I don't know it didn't land for me, but um, yeah, so I don't know about worst movie for all these people because collectively they all have done so much. But I could see where it would be maybe in the in the bottom half, depending on how you view it. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. What's interesting is that you guys all know what Rotten Tomatoes is, I assume, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, you had there's two in, you know, on Metacritic and a lot of the other rating sites, there are two ways. It's uh, there's the critical rating from the critics and then there's the audience rating from the audience. And lucky number 11 is interesting oh, because wow. there's a huge disparity between them. The critics gave it a 52 percent. So, like, you know, 50-50 lukewarm reception. It's act- it's rotten. You have to be under uh, over 60 to be fresh. So the critics gave it a rotten. But the audience score is 87, which is really high. So there's this gigantic disparity between what the critics <laughs> thought of this movie and what general audiences thought of this movie. General audiences loved it, and, uh, but the critics didn't. So that's just always been curious that's to me. That's interesting. Yeah, when that happens, it's like, where's the disconnect between the people? Because, you know, a lot of times you'll have – be pretty close to each other yeah. but then there are cases where it's like what did the regular people see that critics didn't see in this movie you know yeah and, yeah. and going back to like josh's comment like it's one of these movies i think where the end really like saves the movie as a whole yeah and i'm not saying it's a bad movie i'm just saying that the perfor- each character is unique but still the performance makes it feel like kind of generic to where Josh said you get this like kind of watered down Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I think it's their, you know, quote unquote worst movie because it has the potential <laughs> to be like, it's a really interesting movie in, in some ways, but just the performances seem like caricatures of like what the character should be or would be yeah. in a Tarantino film. Well, let's stick with that for a minute because our next topic is actually kind of building on that. And this is your topic again, Zach. It is. And uh, we're calling it A Tale as Old as Time. But essentially, it's about the potential of this movie that it didn't quite live up to, but the setup was there, right? Yeah. So, uh, long story. I spent, like, hours listening to this podcast yesterday with Lex Friedman and Eric Weinstein. And they were breaking down uh, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen and, like, the writing of it and how intricate the lines are if you really think about how they play in with one another and watching this movie and you have this tale of like two mob bosses that live in these you know towers high rises in the city and they haven't left their respective apartments in 20 years each because they're worried about getting killed by the other one and uh they have this beef because morgan freeman's son is murdered and he thinks the rabbi did it and then the rabbi's son gets murdered for revenge 
And when you break it down, I spent the time thinking, like, is this, like, a retelling of some classic tale that I'm just not familiar with, like one of these, like, Brothers Grimm stories or some <laughs> classic fable? Because it seems like this, like, it could be this, you know, really well-known tale of two kings and their greed and jealousy lead to the death of both their sons and their ultimate demise. And it seems like it could be this masterful epic tale like you know some leonard cohen song or some famous like shakespearean work but you get this movie instead <laughs> yeah you josh know. hartnett's version yeah of it yeah and pete i know it sounds like i'm going hard i really enjoyed the just movie. a lot it's no big deal i really enjoyed the movie <laughs> but i'm just saying like once again it seems like this masterful work that got watered down and delivered and not the most ideal way to tell such an epic story mm -hmm. and what do you think i mean what would have made it fall more to that epic story category do you think the focus should have been on the kings themselves instead of josh hartnett's whole into the story and you know him and bruce willis's perspectives being the main ones do you think it'd be more interesting and more uh, have that uh, a grander feel to it if it focused more on Ben Kingsley and Morgan Freeman's mob bosses who, by the way, live directly across from each other and are, like, staring through the windows across the street. I don't know if you guys like that yeah. or not. I love that scene so much. Yeah. yeah. I think I think if you were to focus on the, you know, story and dynamic of the rabbi and the boss more than the Hartnett Bruce Willis aspect, it's a completely different movie. And I like this story for this movie. Like, the end is, you know, we'll talk about it. What a twist. But the end is, you know, the last 30 minutes is just like, holy shit. You know, c connecting all these dots that may have seemed insignificant or just you were curious about. And they all come together. Where focusing on the characters of Kingsley and Freeman might be, it, would, it could be a totally different movie. You know, it could be mm -hmm. like... I'm trying to think what that movie was earlier this year where, like, uh, Rob Pattinson plays, like, a knight and shit. Oh, that was The King. The with, King. Uh, Timothy yeah. Chalamet. That was yeah, actually like a, that was movie. a good movie. Yeah, it like, was a very yeah. good movie. Actually, it was. I didn't see it, but I could feel this story being told in that regard of, like, Pattinson as a knight and a king and shit. And, you know, this mm -hmm. kind of Lord of the Rings epic of, like, an Isengard and a not Isengard. Yeah. Something better than the Shire, Yeah, Barrett yeah. Two Towers. Yeah. yeah, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said about the, the side of the story that isn't told. Because the story that you're saying, you know, has been told over and over again, and not in a bad way. But I think there is something to be said about the story being told this way that is unconventional. That I think they were going for, as much as I can speak for people I've never obviously researched or met. Right. But I do think it's, it's, you know, and we can get into a little bit later about, like, what could be, what's in it, like, those types of things. But I, I liked the perspective of it because it wasn't told the same way, if that makes sense. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, because what I'm saying is, like, I don't think it's a story that's been told before. And I think this telling of it is interesting and unique in its own way. But to tell the story that, like, I'm seeing that it could have been and the different way of focusing on the Kings, like, mm -hmm. could be... And I'm not saying this movie told that story and just didn't do it justice. I'm just saying I would be interested to see 
that story told in like a grandiose way and i think that could be a fucking amazing film or, or story in its own yeah well the scale of that one would be much bigger if you know it'd be like a godfather or something yeah. these two <laughs> rival crime bosses yeah. in their war against each other i think this one actually when you boil it down is very rote it's very basic and, and straightforward yeah. and familiar it's uh, a guy who is getting revenge on the people who killed his parents, which yeah. is essential. It's one of the most basic plot devices in all of cinema is revenge for the death of a family member. Um, right. So I think that focusing on choosing to focus on Slevin is it works because of the twist. I mean, uh, you know, I think for we'll talk more about the twist ending in a little bit. But like, you know, I have by the end forgotten that, you know, about the beginning and that it yeah. all tied together and everything, which was great. But I, th I agree that the interesting part, I think to me would have been more about the, uh, the conflict between the two bosses, which I don't think they dove into enough for how serious it is. Yeah. I mean, they're what, it, what is it even just that they're, I mean, I'd be, more than, I'd be more than happy to tell you if you want. I mean, because they're rival bookies, but in the regard to the mm -hmm. way our story is told, they both take on the initial yeah. debt. And, and they talk about that a bit. Um, I'm going to play it just so it, it plays over yeah. top. They talk about that in the chair scene. Yeah. Um, so obviously you see, you know, in this scene is when, when you really get to understand their relationship. And I'm just going to fast forward because I had played it a second before. But um, so, so the understanding between their dynamic and to give you the full storyline now that we've seen the movie, they were both they both had just planted themselves in New York. Mm -hmm. They both were solidifying themselves to people that were higher up than them at the time, working their way up together. They were best friends. So the book got placed for Max in their care because they were working together. <coughs> now that when they found out the, the horse was juiced, they killed everybody that had that claim. So they killed Max, they killed his wife, we're supposed to kill the kid. Then they started going up, going up together, and when the boss started being called the boss, the rabbi said, he's not the boss, we're the boss. Mm -hmm. So he was like, why is he called the boss if he's not the boss? So then that's when the friendship really kind of fell through. But the rabbi in the scene says at one point, he goes, they were calling you the boss, you know, I'm blah, 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 blah. And he talks about it. And it kind of lends into the first time in the chair scene that they discuss how the boss's son died. Mm -hmm. They made it seem a little bit like the rabbi did it because he was jealous of the boss. But then obviously we find out later it was Josh Hartnett's character. But th they came up together, they were identical and that's why he gives the speech about, uh, you know, if two men are in a room, you can only see it if you're staring at the other man, not knowing what else is coming in the room. And it's like, if, if there's two guys in a room, I only know where you are if I'm watching you, and then I don't know what else is in the room. And it's basically like, if there's two boss lords and they're watching each other, someone else can stab them in the back. So it, two boss lords are never going to work, is kind of how they, their friendship broke up. And then they got paranoid. And there was a, a failed assassination attempt early on, and that's why neither one of them has ever left their tower. Perfect. Thank you. Right. Uh, do, do you think do you guys think it's uh the whole aspect of it where neither has left their tower in 20 years for being killed by the other i actually felt that that took away some of the credibility of the bosses because it showed a lot of fear and yeah. generally you know in crime movies that's something you deal with as a crime lord is the constant threat of or you know a mob boss or whatever the constant threat of being killed or being assassinated and you don't let that stop you the fact that they were both hiding for 20 years i i thought took away from um the level of credibility for each of them at least in my mind it took away some of their grandiosity i don't know if you guys agree yeah i mean i think one of my favorite uh and i think one of the best scenes in sopranos is like uh this one 
you know, mob crony touches, you know, Tony Soprano's daughter, and the next day he finds him and fucking makes him bite the step in this Italian, like, restaurant, you know? Yeah, okay. And it's just like, that's what a boss does, you know? That's what, yeah. a, that's what a boss does, you know? Right. Like, I can't imagine, like, your son gets whacked and then you just, you know, hide in your apartment for 20 years. No, I, I, don't, I don't love that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you, it works for the movie and it's yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to add, though, to yeah. that, which I'm going to keep defending it, and it's just the, for the sake of discussion and arguments at this point. Uh, the thing that I think we sometimes forget about, because you're right, my, like Mob Lords and, and Austin, I know you enjoy this genre as well, so feel free to speak in after, but Mob Lords and everything, you know, they're supposed to be tough, they're supposed to be out, and, and things like that, but the, the reason in my mind that they haven't been out in 20 years is to show the complexity of the plan, which then, like, that bad cat, or good cat and bad dog have. Like, the, the level of understanding that they need to find the bookies to find a guy like Nick Fisher that's on both of their books to get close to both of them at the same exact time so you can come and go, which then elevates, in my mind, so sorry, Josh, elevates Lucy Liu's character. Because, once again, she was the only variable they hadn't planned in 20 years. So it's like, it, yeah, it is kind of like, a you know, the mob guys never leave, like, stoop kid for to leave stoop. But <laughs> for me, it elevated the fact that, one, their plan had to be so intricate that they could get in and out of each place despite them not allowing anyone in there they don't want in there and like gaining that relationship mm -hmm. as well as the fact that in all the variables Lucy Liu's detective work kind of was the only thing they didn't foresee and that's why the chess match is super important to me and like a couple other scenes so just want to throw that yeah. thought out there Austin agree disagree um I'm gonna play devil's advocate here I'm gonna disagree that it actually you know to your point I think that the reason that they're terrified of not leaving each other of each other's like you know locations for twenty years is because they they did grow up together and they became best friends and no one knows anyone better than the one of the best friends. So any move that you make is essentially a giant chess game, which is used in this scenario because they play chess a lot of the time in this movie, mm -hmm. of knowing what move that person will make. So essentially, it's not just, you know, doing your mob duties or everything that it's got them worried, but it's everyday life because these two literally were best friends and they did everything together for this. So just an honest opinion, throwing that out there. I, I think the one thing that kind of irks me about it that I just thought of was that when Morgan Freeman enlists uh, Bruce Willis, he tells him that he needs a hit that's not going to look like a hit because if he calls a hit on uh, the rabbi's son, it's going to start a war. Well, you've been locked in your apartment for like 20 fucking years anyway. <laughs> like, what are you concerned about? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what does a what what does the war consist of besides someone knocking on your front door to kill you? You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe the separation of the towers is a way also to keep the peace because if neither of them are out on the streets, then they're sort of keeping their camps collectively, or at least they're keeping the power <laughs> of each of their organizations safe and separate and yeah. you know there can't be a war if the kings yeah. are locked away yep. sort of yeah. thing but i i think austin's point is also very interesting about knowing someone so well that you'll know exactly how they're going to move and how they're going to act and yep. adding to that level of uh danger just going out you know to the grocery store or whatever i mean it's it's still 2006 so it's like you know bulletproof glass baby or whatever <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you know but i get i understand the point of view of why they might yeah. uh, stick around which is interesting which is that I'll say this, and I hated this part, which Zach touched on, of why he was so concerned about it looking like it wasn't a job. 
but then what he comes to him after the building is blown up and he's like you were supposed to not make it look like a job well fuck it if the rabbi wants a war then we have a war you just spent the entire first half of this movie saying you don't want a war. Yeah. And now it's just like, well, shit, now we got to go to war. He like, didn't say he didn't want to. He, he wanted war since like the second his son died. Okay. And right. so, and you're right to understand that like they, they both didn't want a war. And he says, make it look like it's not a job. So there isn't a war, but you yeah. can tell very clearly, um, especially in the last scene where Morgan Freeman introduces the idea to Ben Kingsley that his <laughs> son has been killed. Morgan Freeman's basically gone mad at that point. Like he knows that they're all they're They're downhill. They lost. Whoever's got them tied up, got them tied up. So he just goes and snaps. And I think that's another thing about being in that tower for so long. They're both, they both seem to have gotten a little bit lazy to let this guy just waltz in and do whatever he wants. They both uh, trust Good Cat a little bit too much. They both seem to be a little too comfortable up in their towers. So I think there was something there as well. That's interesting. As good, you know, having started the movie as the guys on the ground beating people up in yep. the you know underground room or whatever, now to being the guys in the suits who aren't getting their hands dirty at yep. all could have dulled them a little bit and, and made them lazy and everything. Here's, I think one thing that I don't quite agree with is that these two organization leaders, mob bosses or bookie heads or whatever, you know, you want to call them, whatever they are, they both bring this complete stranger into the middle of their fucking penthouse who yeah. like, they don't even know this guy. And Bruce Willis is just like, yeah, here's the guy that you need to, to press for money or whatever. And meanwhile, you know, the whole plot of the movie works because Slevin gets access to them because oh, they think yeah. he's Nick Fisher. But they neither of them even know Nick Fisher. They're, he's just a name in a book who owes the money. And then all of a sudden he's like playing chess with them and eating with them and like in their lives and gets that access. And I'm like, I don't think a sub Tony Soprano or a whoever, you know, Marlon Brando, uh, you know, like uh, – not Marlon Brando, but uh, Don Corleone. You know, like those types of characters, I don't think would just let complete nobody, stranger randos into their, you know, inner circle, yep. so to speak, like that close. Yeah, because when we get the scene of Bruce Willis, like, you know, leading them to Nick Fisher, they're like, well, who is he? And he's like, he's just a loser. Well, like, fuck, if this is the whole thing, like the basis of the movie that we're trusting somebody to kill, like your nemesis son, like, I'd want something more than like he's a bum. Yeah, really. Know? Well, you got it. And then no, wait, no, you guys are forgetting. No, scenes. no, no, no. I'm not done. Yeah, just I'm this not, random dude. Done. Yeah, tell me to kill him. I'm not done. Have to kill I, him. Austin, you can go shit on it too, and then I'll, I'll bring it back. I, I want to walk it back because um, if we're talking about going back to Morgan Freeman and shit, and these guys being bosses, like if Morgan Freeman is ultimately okay with a war once the building gets blown up, like. Is there not – is there – does it say something about his character that, like, when his son gets killed, he's not in the street, like, clapping shells off him fucking self? You know, he's like, oh, my son was just murdered. I'm going to hunker down in my apartment for 15 more years, and we're going to well, get Well, the revenge. son being murdered yeah, was pretty random, recent because yeah. Josh Hartnett got it. So the son wasn't when he was younger. Okay, but that still. was within That was within, like, the week. That was the week of the son's – but if he's supposed to be this, like, you know, certified mob boss and his son gets murdered and he's, like, not out there for revenge himself, that, like, says something about, like, his character. Yeah, but you even if it's mean? not a clean tie back to Ben Kingsley? I mean... Yeah, just because... I mean, he thinks it's Ben Kingsley, you know, and this is his nemesis and they've been locked away and now he's responsible for the murder of his son and he's, like, not, like, about to handle it himself, especially when he says, like, if it's a war, fuck it, you know? It just... It's, like, weird that he... 
you know, and and, and now yeah. it just sounds like I'm shitting on this movie, which I'm not. Trying Austin, to do. you get to shit on I'm it. Not <laughs> trying to do it. I swear to God, I, I'm not. I trying am to definitely do not it. trying to shit on it because I did no, enjoy no, it and no. I think it's fun. But I think there are interesting. When you break it down, there's interesting things happening, and I think what Zach's trying to say and what I agree <laughs> with is that Morgan Freeman's motivations and desire for war is unclear at times, and yep. it changes yes. because if his son gets gunned yes. down in the street, this guy at first is like. Have some random guy just kill him quietly and don't make it look like a job at all. Like, just some random dude. I don't care who it is. He's just going to kill him and whatever. And then by the end, he's all like, yeah, war. Let's do it. So there's – and there's not really an arc to it. It just sort of changes. So his view on it, I think, is different throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have any kids, but I got a cat. And I'm not a mob boss, but if somebody kills my cat, it's mask off. If on the site. cat is gunned down, it's on in the site. Street. It's on site. Like, <laughs> For sure, I'll, you'll catch me in the white Bronco <laughs> on the fucking news, just rolling down <laughs> oh, 376 Jesus. bangers yeah. out the window. Like it's on. Can it's I? On. Can I? Can I give you the reasonings? Go with Lucy Lou in the passenger. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Lucy Lou still <laughs> going in it. off. Yeah, years later. Um, so one of the key things that I think we are all forgetting is the nature of Good Cat. Good Cat only does what types of jobs? On jobs. The jobs that no one else will do. That's right, yeah. So, Morgan Freeman realizes his son died. Nobody wants to go with the boss. Nobody wants to go with the rabbi, right? So he knows that the only person that will kill the rabbi's son is Good Cat. Mm -hmm. How he does it, Morgan Freeman leaves it up to Good Cat. And Good Cat, I'm assuming, obviously this is a little assumptuous, but Good Cat, you would assume, is is probably the, the greatest killer of all time. So if he comes to Morgan Freeman with a plan that foolproof that makes it look like Morgan Freeman didn't hire Good Cat, it didn't look like a job. It was just two uh, homosexual lovers that, you know, hate the world and shot each other in the head type of thing. I think Morgan Freeman would accept that to the fact that it didn't look like it was Good Cat and no one else in the world was going to do that job. So when Good Cat made it look like a job, you have to realize that there was no other alternative to not making it look like a job. And that's why Morgan Freeman was like, all right, there was literally nothing else I could have done on the planet to kill this kid other than make it look like a job. Fuck it. We got a war. That is, like, the fact that Good Cat only does jobs that no one else will do, which obviously leads then to the end of the movie, is so crucial to me in every decision Bruce Willis has. And, and so we obviously get into it and talk about, you know, <coughs> we, we talk about the ending later, but that's, that's the one thing that, that leans back on it for me. That's yeah. pretty interesting. I think I buy that. I mean, Morgan Freeman hires Bruce Willis, and then Bruce is the one who brings the random guy into yeah. it, and, that's, and Morgan Freeman's just trusting him to go about his process yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, I'll buy that. If I call a plumber on Angie's list, though, because I got a clog. You have, you have one plumber that won't do any other? Like, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I call the guy. I call, I call the – I call, like let, – well, let's say I call Billy the Exterminator from A&E, if you okay. know what I'm talking about. I don't. And I'm like, this is the fucking guy. And he's like, yo, you got a shit ton of bees. Yeah. I saw this kid on the corner raking leaves. Well, do you need it to not look like you, it was a job? No, but I'm just saying. You need it to look like you me, didn't kill the bees. Me yeah. as me paying a professional, and he's like, guess what? You hired me. I got a loser for you. Yeah. I'd be like, what? Does that loser owe you $33,000? No, but the fact that you're picking a guy that owes me $96,000 that I know didn't shit. fucking pay me is like, this guy? Like, he already yeah, burned me out of 100 grand almost. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? But here? he also portrayed it in a way that was like, look, this guy owes you $96,000. I'm going to cost $96,000. You get this kid to do X, Y, Z, then we'll talk. Like that's another thing too is the payment side of things a little, uh, a 
little black and white because obviously when he goes to the rabbi, he says, you know, are we? He's like, oh, well, we're not friends, and you don't like baseball, so why the fuck are you here? And he's like, you're, you're right, we're not friends because if we were friends, someone would have hired me to fucking kill your son. And it's like gasp. So he has them both kind of by the balls, which is Morgan Freeman has a murder that needs to be done that no one else can do but Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis, being the guy that he is, knows he can kill the fairy. And he's going to Ben Kingsley and saying, what are you going to do for me so that I don't kill your son? So he has them both by the balls, so they kind of have to listen. I think I think this brings it back around to what Josh was saying earlier in the chat about it, how it's trying to be Pulp Fiction yes. yeah, and yeah. just not quite working. Like, it's trying to be very cleverly connected and intricate and layered in the yeah. plotting of it and how these characters are related and how they interact with each other. And when you break it down and dissect it, like, it doesn't – it just – there are there are holes in it. Like I agree with what you're saying, and then I'm over here agreeing with what Zach's saying, and I'm like I don't I don't know. Like I, I agree with both of it now. Like yeah, it's this way, and yeah, it's this way. So uh, it's just it's not that smooth transition of like this is how the story works, and it flows nice and even right through it. You know there there are definitely valid points on both sides, and because there there's such that opposing uh, idea behind it. It, you know, it's, it's why it's harder for some people to swallow. But I get what both of you guys are saying about it. And it, it didn't make me like the movie any less. Like, again, I think this is just a fun movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's I mean, when you when you break down the plot, then you're like, well, I don't know if it holds up. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about any of this shit until we sat here and talked about it. Absolutely. Now I'm like, wait, <laughs> no, wait a minute. Absolutely not. Wait a minute. Yeah, Marcellus yeah. Wallace would have killed every <laughs> fucking person Bro, in this it's movie. it's an onion. There's yeah. layers. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't The Departed. That it's a an boy, ogre. <laughs> it's an ogre of a movie. Well, speaking of The Departed and other similar movies, uh, we ha our next segment, which we're going to do uh, commercial or no commercial? We'll do a commercial break right okay. before it. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and do uh, a new game called Better Than, Worse Than, which is where we have a couple – we have a handful of similar movies, and we're going to see if Slevin is better or worse than the movies uh, close to it. So – Quick commercial break and then stick around. We'll be back in just a sec. Are you a sports fan? Do you love football? Like, do you eat, sleep, and breathe football? But when it comes to fantasy, you just never seem to get it right. Well, have no fear, my friend. Thoughts from the Bench is here to take you from Sunday scaries to Sunday success. So sit right there and enjoy a beer and get ready to change your fantasy life with Boondock Bank Rank. We're calling it the idiot hour. Hey, Denny Hamlin, new NASCAR fan here. You really gotta like, but you gotta like blow. He wears the skull of his dead mother. <laughs> and then when he finally copes with the death of his mother, he becomes his mother. He becomes Marowak. Correction, Ovi is the greatest offensive talent we've ever seen. I am E. You dumbass. <laughs> All right, so we're back here. We're going to do a new game uh, called Better Than, Worse Than. So the movie is Lucky Number Slevin. It's a crime th thriller. Crime, uh, can't even say because there's so many genres. It's a thriller. It's a comedy. It's a drama. It's a rom-com. It's an action. It's, it's all, all good things. So I pulled a handful of movies that are similar to Lucky Number Slevin. And I want your guys' take. We're just going to do a uh, simple, is Lucky Number Slevin better or worse than the following movies? So 
Which one do you want to start off with, Derek? What do we got on deck first? The first movie we have for better than or worse than is The Usual Suspects. Usual Suspects. All right. Brian Singer, uh, pre-rape allegations, I guess. Pre-little boy molestation. Maybe. I mean, I don't know what he was doing back then, but possibly. Before it was public. Uh, classic film. Kaiser Soze, Kevin Spacey. Great character reveal at the end. Another crime movie. Uh, guys, Slevin or Usual Suspects? Better or worse? I mean, is there a debate here? I t- I'm just asking. What I mean, do you guys think? Welcome to Thoughts in the Movies. Yeah. I mean, this is a debate show, Zach, so you go ahead. I mean, I'm going to say the usual suspects is slightly better than Lucky Number Slevin. Is that a sarcastic nice, lately? Yeah, nice, yeah. nice choice of words. Nice choice of words. All right. Austin? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say that Slevin's a little bit better. Oh, interesting. There's the debate. Wow. Why and why? Yeah. I just I don't know what made me seem to think I would when I originally sat down and watched Slevin I was thinking you know shit you know am I gonna really like this one and for some reason this one caught my attention more than the usual suspects I don't know if it's just the persona or like feeling that I was in but this one kind of like caught my attention more and was like a little bit more interesting especially you know in the end which we'll talk about so who's 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 who done it was better Zach because, I mean, this was one – with Kaiser Soze is one of the more prominent, like, holy shit moments, I would say. Yes. And I think that the fact that the uh, police line scene uh, – was he farting the whole time? And oh, yeah. Del, yeah. Del Toro. And so uh, there are there are amazing things. I, 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 so, you know, the, the whole whodunit at the end, I think, I think, it's, I think it's, there's a discussion there. Uh, and I think the cast easily goes to Lucky Number 11, but probably – the usual suspects is probably uh, better. I mean, usual suspects is Stephen nothing to. Baldwin? Yeah. <laughs> right? Stephen wow. Baldwin? Yeah. Come yeah. on. But so still, sorry. though, I mean, it's they're nothing to write home about either. Usual su- suspects. Yeah. Still yeah. great cast. But um, I I'm gonna say usual suspects, of course. But I I think usual suspects is the slightly better version of Slevin. Yeah. I think they are similar yeah. in a lot of ways, and this is just a slightly more polished version. Um, so okay, that's that one. Next we have. Wanted, yeah. Uh, James McAvoy and Angelina, kick-ass action assassin movie, uh, again with Morgan Freeman from you know 2008 or so I think. Um, better or worse than Lucky Number Eleven? You guys want just want to do the same order for the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. We'll just go. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach Austin, Derek. I've never seen it. Okay. And I've seen the trailer, and it looked kind of cool, but uh, I mean, just so I don't look like an asshole the whole time. Slevin is better than Wanted. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hands down. How could you say that? <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Watch me be the outlier here. Yeah, how dare you? Awesome. Comment section burned to the ground. Um, I will actually go with Wanted on this one. Nice. Uh, I loved the uh, exact, bullet. I, I love the bullet bending aspect of everything. It kind of, as a big fan of sci-fi and a little bit of fantasy, that kind of like pulled me more into the realm of, holy shit. They're moving bullets now and shit. Like that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. wanted on that one. I thought that was a lot more uh, of an interesting concept. This this does have a, a correct answer, and it's lucky number eleven. And the reason is because the fact if you want to print, Jolie has never been sexier, and give it four out of five stars, your movie's a piece of shit. <laughs> if she's never been sexier, it's five stars. 
So that's oh, all okay. I got. That's, that's like a, that's a rating technicality. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> no, but uh, if you want to talk about Morgan Freeman's worst movie, it, I would say it's probably one of these two. So I'll give you that. Like yeah. of the of the bigger ones, one. Is, I mean, it's another good one. I mean, the Bending Bullets, James McAvoy before he's really today's James McAvoy. Uh, it's it's they're pretty on par, but lucky number eleven is better. Yeah, I th- I think Wanted is probably a little more fun because of the action sequences, and you know it's more about assassins doing cool shit, bending bullets and things like that. So I think visually it's a little more fun. Yeah. Um, and then Slevin is a little bit more intricate with the plot and the characters. They're I'd say they're pretty close. I'd give the edge to Wanted just a little cool. bit. Uh, next we have uh, a movie Josh mentioned earlier. We've talked a lot about so far. Pulp Fiction. If anyone says Slevin is better than Pulp Fiction, Derek, then, <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to have problems. But, um, yeah, a lot of people consider this to be the watered-down version of Pulp Fiction. So is anyone – I'll just ask this. Is anyone going to say Slevin is better than Pulp Fiction? Uh, I may, just because Josh says I will pull the plug on this show if any – and he has not the power <laughs> nor the location <laughs> services currently to do either one of those. <laughs> I think we should all consensus say it's better. Yeah. To piss him off. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, Lucky Number Seven wins by so, a landslide. So much better. Oh no, Pulp Fiction's like, it's one or two for me. Yeah. Greatest movies of like it, my personal favorite. Sure. It just, yeah. It's this so is what funny. Slevin wanted to be and tried to be and uh, didn't miss completely, but it's just like you know minor league, major league type of situation. Josh says, "Watch me." All right, Josh. I let will me just say change uh, the password to the Twitch. I guess one thing that Slevin. I guess doesn't have the Pulp Fiction has that takes away from it is Kathy Griffin. But <laughs> other than that, Pulp Fiction is a far superior film. Take that out, no question. Yeah, <laughs> Kathy Griffin's in it. They're they're pretty close. Hard pass. <laughs> All right. Uh, next movie we have. I don't know if you guys have seen In Bruges. I'm not. But uh, In Bruges is a fantastic film directed by Martin McDonough, who did Seven Psychopaths. Uh, and Colin Firth and Brendan Gleeson play two hitmen who go to Bruges to wait for a kill. And they're kind of just waiting around. Very uh, clever dialogue. Very interesting plot. Uh, has anyone seen In Bruges? No. No, but it's it's been on my list to check out. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're, this one, I'd say they're pretty close. In, Blu- In Bruges is a little better. It's a little bit it's more serious, but also, like, they talk about really interesting things while they're waiting, you know, to kill this guy, you know, this young hitman and this old hitman in the city together. So hmm. uh, really cool dynamic going on and very highly rated movie. Uh, I highly recommend it, and it is better than Slevin for sure. Is that the dude from Harry Potter that has one eye? Yeah, Mad-Eye Moody, a.k.a. Brendan Gleeson hmm. is in this, who Shout is out. a fantastic Mad-Eye actor. Moody. I mean, that guy's great. Yeah. I thought it was John Madden. Both Actually, both of them have been in the Harry Potter universe yeah. because Colin Farrell was in uh, the new movies as yeah. the Auror. Well, Ray whatever too. Is. Voldemort. Yep. Oh, yeah, Ray Fine. There we go. So, In Bruges is basically Harry wow. Potter. Harry Potter in the Muggles. real world. Yeah, yeah Muggle version. Uh, <laughs> I will say, just to, to go off a movie that you mentioned, Justin, I after I finished uh, Slevin last night, uh, I did watch for free on Amazon Video Seven Psychopaths, which oh, yeah. has one of the greatest scenes in the history when they're in the desert uh, doing peyotes, oh, which yeah. is like one of my Very favorite fun. scenes that have ever happened ever. So, yeah. I just want to throw that out there. But have I you guys see seen this. Seven Psychopaths, Austin or Zach? Uh, no. Yeah. Is, that the, is that the one Tom Waits is in? Tom Waits in that I one? don't believe so. This is Christopher Walken. This is Colin Farrell. This is um. Let me take a look. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an ensemble cast. Seven um, who's, who's the Jack of the Jack of Spades? Um, why can't I think of his name? He's like the he's the second greatest uh, secondary actor of all time behind Tucci. Um, <laughs> um I can't remember. Yeah, Tom Waits is in it. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Woody Harrelson is in it. Right, uh, right. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's in it. He's amazing. Um, Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. Amazing. Solid one. Uh, okay, so there's that one. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. Have you guys seen The Nice Guys? 
I need yes. to. Yeah. I love this movie. Nice Guys is great. This is better than Slevin for sure. It's hilarious yet dark. It's like dark comedy. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe have amazing chemistry as a like a, a mob. What so Austin, can you remind me like Russell Crowe is like a mob enforcer and Ryan Gosling is a guy who like a, a private detective or something and they're, they're trying to find a missing girl, but it's like a yeah. dark comedy. It's like a it's like a neo-noir sort of dark comedy. From yeah, that's what intrigued me the most about it was that it had that noir feeling and a new sense of establishing like, you know, like a new sense of comedy with it. And the comedy element really helped out. Uh, and I, I love this film. Isn't yeah, like this the lot. one in the, with the kitchen scene? The kitchen scene where Russell Crowe's beating the shit out of Ryan Gosling and they have a really good monologue. Is that this movie? I don't I think so. I mean, yeah, I I've never seen it, but movie. I've seen yeah. it where it's like the Russell Crowe's beating the shit out of Ryan Gosling, but they're like talking and it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I need to, I need to see this. Yeah, their dynamic is great. And it's just Ooh. a great, like, if you like, you know, like LA Confidential or like those type of actual noirs, you know, like not a whole black and white movie from like the Maltese Falcon era, but like, you know, neo noirs that's like, yeah. you know, uh, Blade Runner or like those types of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Nice Guys is great, better than Slevin for sure. Josh says it's too slow and too weird. Rip him a new one, Justin. Too slow and too weird. Josh is too slow and too weird. <laughs> okay, the next movie that we have is <laughs> – I love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, ne- <laughs> Sorry, bud. Uh, all right, next movie. Sure we we mentioned this, I think, last week. He did. He bought us <laughs> – I love you, <laughs> He bought us pizza tonight. He's so nice. He bought us dinner. Um. This movie we did mention last week, I think when we talked about Slevin. Yes. And I have not seen Smoke and Aces. Uh, I don't. I think Zach talked about it. Austin's pumping his fist. No. You guys, it. has anyone seen Smoke and Aces? <laughs> it's the movie most commonly referred to Lucky Number Slevin as. Yep. Like they they are they are so heavily and it's the posters and like the quick change of color act like they're 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 pretty. Yeah. They're pretty similar. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm one looking better my... than the other or. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Smoke and Ace is better. I'm trying to see because I have it, and I'm trying to see if it's on my DVD shelf, and I can't find it anywhere. I still think it's Slevin, but Smoke and Aces is a good one, too. Like it, The cast for this one can really – like, the cast for Smoke and Aces can really rival the cast of this movie for who is it. Like, they have a lot of stars in that movie. Yeah, just to uh, – just because I'm pulling it up now. Uh, so, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta um, – Jeremy Piven, Wayne Ben Newton. Affleck, yeah. Wayne Newton, Classic. yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, there common, are common. Andy Garcia, yeah, yeah. this is a great. Cast. There's some heavy hitters in here, and I, I, you know, I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds sucker. Love me some Ray, Wayne Newton, but it's not the cast. Yeah. The lucky number eleven. Okay, that's a solid cast though. So. <laughs> uh, all right, then last one we have is uh, a movie that I think is really interesting. It's Layer Cake. Who Matthew Vaughn before he did Kingsman and all that. This is the movie that. Oh. This is the movie that Barbara Broccoli watched and said, "Oh, this guy's gonna be James Bond next." Um, it's no way. it's yeah. This is what convinced the Eon producers to make him Bond, and it's a really interesting movie. I've watched it one time and I loved it, and then I watched it the second time and I didn't love it as much. It's if you like Guy Ritchie movies, it's very snatch and very lock stock. It's like a little bit more modern yep. version of that, like Rock snatch and Roll and everything. Uh, any of you guys seen Layer Cake? I have not. This is a new outing for me. No, no one has seen Layer Cake. Okay. Uh, well, another great crime movie. I mean, Daniel Craig is like a coke dealer who's trying to get out of the game but being forced back into it. Like, Ooh. you know, The Gentleman, if you guys saw that last year. But uh, another great cast, Michael Gambon's in it, Tom Hardy, a very young Tom Hardy. So, uh, yeah, it's like a good London crime thriller with, like, some decent humor to it. So if you like Guy Ritchie movies, you'd like Layer Cake. I need to check that out. But, uh, yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say Slevin's probably a little more fun than Layer Cake. But I like the cast of Layer Cake better because I love Bond, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Movies. 
and Tom Hardy. Okay, that's uh, so that's better than worse then, which Love is a that. new segment we're trying on the show. Uh, that was pretty fun. Maybe we'll do that one again. Yeah. Next up, we have. I want to talk a little bit about Josh Hartnett because he carries the movie as Slevin Calevra, uh, and he is responsible for a very one of the very big twists uh, at the end. And I'm curious. A, I want to talk about his career, and then I want to see what you guys think of him because his filmography is really interesting he never really took off as an actor he was in a bunch of big movies that all just kind of quite they missed a little bit and i you know i'm trying to figure out who's the modern person to compare him to i don't know if it's taylor kitsch or like gerard butler like who it is but um he he was like you know he's a pretty boy actor who tried to do a lot of dramatic stuff and i don't think he's a terrible actor i mean he did pearl harbor he did black hawk down uh Black Dahlia, Hollywood Homicide. Like he he did a lot of like serious movies and like some decent movies that just none of them were ever really big hits. Uh, he did Penny Dreadful. He was in three seasons of that. And what's the new show he's doing? Is it Wayward Pines? Is that what it's called? Uh, Paradise Lost. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I haven't watched that, but so he's in that show. So anyway, I think Josh Hartnett just has a really interesting film career, and I want to know what you guys thought of him in this movie because I honestly I thought he was pretty good. Like. Even though he's a pretty boy, he has some acting skill in it, and it's just like I think his choice of movies are just why he wasn't a bigger star. But what yeah. do you guys? Th- what did you think of him in this movie and in him in general? So I want to say for a fact that I was like I couldn't put my finger on where I've seen this guy before, and thank you for saying Black Hawk Down because that's where I remembered him from. I was like finally, like yeah. I finally get my answer for that. Um, for me personally, I thought as he was a great mouthpiece this film i'll word that mouthpiece because essentially he just runs his mouth the whole time essentially kind of like poking the bear at like the man so to speak from wherever angle it's coming from and i thought that was fucking hilarious based on like the situations he would find himself in you know like what talking to the to the guys that show up at the door and he's like oh get your shoes we gotta go he's like yeah i think i'm good punch the stomach he's like no i think you better let me do the talk it's it's hilarious for to show that He's essentially made out to be the punching bag in this film that just that just can't get a break almost. And it makes it a very, very good story to tell through his eyes, so to speak. It explains to me for his character, because I thought Josh – like, I love when there's a movie, because I don't know much. I, I, don't, I couldn't name another thing he was in. And Black Hawk Down, you know, should have. But outside of that, it, it's very much like – and I know this is a name that makes people cringe. It's very Hayden Christensen for me mm. where it's like he was projected to be the thing and then it was just like uh oh, you did that movie where you teleport and it's it's you know <laughs> i the jumper that's, i that's love great, jumper. such a fun movie i, I do it's terrible he's but such he's a bad so actor so bad that's a cool movie and and so it's funny it's it's it, for a person to be in a movie that i adore that i don't really know much about they just need to be believable and i think that he was vulnerable when he had to be and, you know, the wit was very much there for me, which I appreciated. And the explanation of why he doesn't get nervous, like, to, to prepare for that was, like, interesting to me because I talk so much about how Lucy Liu was the variable they weren't protect or projected for. But they, they projected that somebody was going to ask him why he didn't get nervous. So he studied that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that I definitely overthink in this. But no matter what scene he was in, I believed him, mm-hmm. which is something that for somebody that I don't have a, a list of. Like, if you're watching a movie because Leo's in it, you're like, Leo's going to kill this. For me, that guy is always Slevin. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I think I, w- like, you know, for a very long time, 
and even up until watching this movie, I would be like, oh, Josh Hartnett's in that? Pass. Like, that would be <laughs> that would be my reasoning with movies. Like, he's just one of those actors where I'm like, no, I'm not interested. But, yeah. after, I mean, it's like, you. I thought he was actually pretty solid in this as, like you said, he played a wide range of things. I believed him as, like, the, listen, man, you got the wrong guy. And yeah. But I also believed him at the end when he was like, I'm the guy who was pulling the strings the whole time. Bam, yeah. you're dead, whatever. Like I, So I thought that he was actually pretty solid, and I give him credit. Like I respect him a little bit more after watching this, but I haven't seen as many of his movies um, as are out there. But, uh, yeah, I did, n- I did not hate Josh Hartnett in this movie, and it's – I don't know if – yeah, Hayden Christensen I think is probably a good one to compare him to in terms of like a guy who, they tri- who Hollywood tried to yeah. make happen who didn't take – uh, didn't take off. I think Alex Pettifer is probably another one of those guys. Um, to some extent, Taylor Kitsch. But I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Josh Hartnett's an interesting one. But Zach, did you did you like him in this movie? Did you buy him? Like, what are your thoughts? So first off, I always get him confused with Ethan Hawke for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, interesting. So there's, there's that. They have like the same facial hair. I think scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know. Like I don't think I don't think he was bad in this movie. You know, but. There was something about, I feel like he, I don't know, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Is he the protagonist or is he the antagonist in this movie? Like, ultimately. He's like kind of both, right? Uh, Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it is. But I feel like a lot of the time, you know, in any movie, you are supposed to feel some kind of emotion for your protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't really like... You're right. Everything was believable, but at no point did I feel for this character at all. Like I didn't like yeah. invest myself in his situation of being, you know, trapped in this situation where he's got to kill because of a mistaken identity. You thing. felt for the kid, though. Not really, because nothing. Ultimately, nothing happens to the kid. Well, yeah, but when you thought he died like three times through the movie, we got to rewatch it now. We're going to go back to mine, Zach. We're going to rewatch it until you understand why this movie is the greatest movie of all time. That's well. Uh, hold on a sec. Now. Let's, let's not get carried away here. I mean, really, I, f- uh, I almost felt the same level of weighted depression when I finished this as I did Schindler's List, but for different reasons. <laughs> we're talking let's about see, Top Wop oh. writes in, dude, his whole family was killed over a bad bet. Like, but at any point, did you feel for him because of that? When I realized he just wasted 27, 25 years of his life getting revenge on two guys, and now he got Lucy Lou. I felt yeah. bad for myself. Here's here's <laughs> why I didn't. You ain't and wrong. This is going to run into our next category, which is the, the twist ending. Casey Shuffle, but baby. What I think the reason I didn't necessarily feel for him is because it took so long for them to reveal that he was that kid. Yeah. Like, when they show the kid at the beginning, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's Josh Hartnett because it looks like a young Josh Hartnett. And then they don't show him being killed, which generally means he survives. Mm-hmm. So yes. I had that in the back yeah. of my head. But then by the time we got to the end, I completely forgot about <laughs> that. So, like, when he's like, oh, by the way, I'm that dude, I was like, oh, okay. Like, but I, I didn't really <laughs> feel. You're like, yeah, that's cool. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's right. Now, it's like, I knew it, but I forgot about it. Um. But yeah, so like I, I don't think I felt for him, but I, his fair. motivations are justified per the comment about you know his family being killed and yeah. everything. Yeah, but if they and if they would have kind of you know if they set it up at the beginning that you're watching the rise of this child of this murdered family, that ultimately changes the movie and kind of ruins uh, the movie. One hundred percent. But in that regard, in that case, I might have felt for that character and the understanding of, mm-hmm. but just this character in this situation played out this way i was just never like connected 
to him. You know? I think that's fair. Agreed. And maybe that's why I don't like it as much is because I didn't feel like a connection to any of the characters per se. Could be. But it doesn't take away from the story. It's Colorado. a great story. What's up, brother? Thanks for tuning in. Could be for sure. Um, all right. So that's a little bit about Josh Hartnett. Just an interesting case in Hollywood. And he's still working. He's still doing, you know, I mean, more on TV now. Um, yeah. But he's still doing a bunch of good work. So. He was on an episode of Drunk History. so Which is arguably the greatest <laughs> show. It's, and that's, it's oh, a fantastic man, fucking That's all it. you can ask for as an actor. That's how you know you made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what episode was it? Um, I wasn't familiar with the name of the character he played. Okay. A.K.A. What, the what real historical it, figure. Yeah, I was, I was like, what's the historical event? I wondered. Uh, let me see. Is this his? Uh, it is Love. Joaquin Newman. And Clark Gable. Oh. Well, I know who Clark Gable is. Yeah, he's that. Clark Gable okay. in the in the thing is what they're saying here. Which oh, okay. Now nice. I'm gonna go home and watch that. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> he couldn't show. be a movie star in real life, so he just played one on Drunk History. Had <laughs> a boy, Josh. Had a boy. I think that was the most serious blow dished out tonight. <laughs> uh, okay, that's so, that, and that leads into our next category here. Uh, that, we, hold on, we're gonna shut down. We're oh. see so you guys. No, <laughs> Uh, listen, I just call it like it's on the credits. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so speaking more about Josh, though, we're coming into uh, what a twist. And who's category? Was this Austin's category? This, is my, this was Austin's, yeah. yeah okay. This is my. So, Austin, talk through the twist to us. What were your thoughts on it? What do you feel like chatting about in terms of the pretty big twist ending? Yeah. Um. So, when we get into, you know, when you play the whole beginning of the movie – and with the bad bet and the horse, like you're kind of wondering where this kind of fits in, but eventually we break it down at the end where, you know, Josh's character is essentially that little boy whose parents got killed over the bad bet. And now he's taking revenge on the people that were responsible. And there's various, let's say, plot points that come in that are, you know, added to this, right? You have that the cop, who uh was you know investigating all these things is actually was a uh, person with the bookies like way back that actually caused the death of his mom i was wondering where he was going to fit into that and it was like boom he's right there then you have the whole situation with the two guys uh freeman and kingsley's characters who were making a name for themselves by taking this family out with this it's very very layered almost like an onion of holy shit moments that are presented in the last 30 or so minutes in this film from when he goes from just being from when Josh's character goes along from being just a normal person that is just caught up in a situation to holy shit he's involved in all of this mother of god what is happening it's it's probably one of the coolest twists that I've seen in a long time and this happened in what like two what was the year of this 2006 mm -hmm. yeah so good on the t early 2000 or the mid 2000s for that, because not a lot of great things came out of that, you know, stretch of time. And this happened to be one of them. And I'll say that for the latest, I love this twist. We know that from talking about um, our original movie that we did, um, well, just uh, Mystic River, how the twist that I love twist endings and how they correspond with this. I loved it. So nice. I think, yeah, Josh Brightson, was I the only one who knew he was the kid? Uh, I mean, I like I probably in the back of my mind was thinking that, but I had just forgotten it over the course of the movie. And that's why I think when it all comes together at the end, 
it uh, it works because they all do tie in together. Yeah. Right. 100%. I don't know that it does it very well. Like I think the cops role in the movie, like Tooch, who I love. I think that's super soft. It's like the cops are barely in the movie yeah. until it's like, by the way, the cop was the original guy who killed your mother, you know. Um, but, I, I mean, the way they all connect in that end scene, I do think ties in pretty well and in, in helps the twist. But also the, the cop who's uh, – when Tooch is on the phone in the car getting the call from the detective at the precinct, that whole thing was fucking just like totally a deus ex machina. It's like we just need to wrap this movie up. This random cop's going to call and be like, by the way, I saw me. this I picture of Slevin Calabra. Did you know that this all this happened, like, with the dad and everything? And then, you know, like, that whole thing, I didn't – was just totally out of left field. That did not work. But um, as far as twist endings go, I mean, where do you guys rate this? Is it up there? Is it one of the better ones, or does it not land for you? Austin, it sounds like you, you have it up there pretty far, at least for the it- time that it came out. Yeah, it's more of the lines of, like, how the whole characterization of everything was played into the film that led up to the twist that makes this sort of on, like, the upper end for me. Okay. I just love it because it, it anything that makes me go back and understand the movie from a different angle, uh, I'll always put in the really high category for myself. And the fact that I can go back and, like, watch Lucky Number 11 so many times and notice so many different things and so many things that, like, didn't really add up and so many things that did add up. Um, for me, it's it's one of my favorites, mainly just because, you know, like we were saying, I was fully believing Josh Hartnett when he was in each of the situations. Like, he, yes, I believe that whoever he was playing would have done that in this scene at that time. So mm-hmm. for me, it was a huge – and when Josh writes in, I was the only one that didn't know he was the kid. I was fully just invested in the storyline. Like, I, I know this isn't a, a great storyline or a great movie that, like, you're, like, oh, on the edge of your seat. But I was so trying to add up – because I told Zach, even in the, the shootout scene – when he saves Clevin's life, or Slevin, I always say Clevin, Slevin's life, even at that point, I'm like, okay, they're working together, I don't really know how. You know what I mean? Like, it never really clicked there for me, and then towards the end, you're like, oh, well, there it is, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to go back and watch it, knowing how it ends, and looking for ways that it foreshadows Bruce and Clevin, uh, or Slevin. Now, now you got me yeah, saying Yeah, see, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, like, one of the one of the bigger ones is Lucy Liu's, like, well, he punched you and took your wallet. What about your watch? Your watch is nice. And he goes, must have not seen it. She's like, well, he looked at the time. And he's like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. She's like, what about the suitcase? And he's like, well, the suitcase, you know, it's heavy. Maybe it didn't make qu- for a quick getaway. And, like, sh- she's asking all these questions, and you're thinking about it then. You're like, well, you know, now that we know he got punched in the face by Bruce Willis, who took his ID so that he didn't have his ID so he could be Nick Fisher, you're thinking about all these other things. You're like, wow, like, yeah, like, he would have taken the watch and all mm-hmm. that shit while, it's, while mm-hmm. it's coming out there. So little things like that that you'll catch on a rewatch I love. Yeah, and I think in particular that scene where they're all playing chess against each other discussing how it's going to go down, and you have Morgan Freeman playing against uh, Josh Hartnett, and they're discussing the plan while Bruce Willis is playing a separate game against, I think, Ben Kingsley and discussing the same plan, but it's intercut in the way the shots are layered on top of each other. Oh, it's like they're all discussing the same plan, but separately, and you're like, oh, okay, is he he pulling the strings? That's why they're having the same conversation. But now you go back and realize, like, no, they were both in on it together. That's why it's the same conversation, which yeah. I think is interesting. So it would be, uh, be cool to go back now and, and watch, I think. Um, uh, Josh writes in some, some other 20, uh, 2006 movies. The Prestige, Borat, 300, Babel, The Departed, Casino Royale, Loomis, Sunshine, Talladega Nights, Devil Wears Prada, Dreamgirls, Smoke, and Aces, all 2006. Great year for movies. Um, 
300 departed casino royale little miss sunshine i thought was great um and none of them beat lucky number 11 which is crazy yeah no that's a, that's a <laughs> solid lineup of movies for sure um i'll take it but yeah so i mean the twist ending worked for me but zach you have any thoughts on the twist yeah i mean i liked it i i think that the ending is the redeeming quality of this movie overall um like you said, I'd be interested to go back just because when they show Ben Kingsley putting the shotgun on his arm, they show like the quickest flash of the shotgun in the scene where they're torturing the dad mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, is that even like in that original scene or are they just like adding that in? So I'd be curious to see if those are actual foreshadowing moments mm-hmm. or if just seeing the ring and seeing the shotgun are just like added at the end and you're like, oh, I'm tying this to that scene now. But uh, overall, I think it's in regard in in regard of like twist endings, it's it's pretty fucking solid. It's got like a super. Uh, I guess I would say Knives Out has like a super kind of just That's feel at the amazing. end, you yep. know. Mm-hmm. And I like that Kn- Knives Out is fucking fantastic. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I would say in it's this a very regard, similar. This movie is fantastic. It's like it's a very kind of similar switch in that sense, and obviously not it's not perfect, um, but it's you know it's the person that's helping the the person you want to win in the end. You find out is really the bad. It's just I don't know. That's yeah. Just, so I put it up there. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's not one that people talk about like among the twists of cinema history. It's, it's not, not like Star the Sixth Wars. Sense or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But. Uh, I, I think it's maybe underrated in itself, the twist, um, and I enjoyed it. But that – so that kind of leads us into one of our final categories is uh, – Derek, why don't you tell us what Lucky Number Slevin 2 is about? <laughs> yeah, so there really – there is not a Lucky Number Slevin 2 in the works, but we were discussing things that were um, somewhat either plot holes or storylines that you guys would want to dive deeper in or ways that you would have switched up this movie – um, that if, if you were going to be like, all right, if this was a deleted scene, this should have been in there instead of uh, X, Y, Z. So I just wanted to discuss that if they were making a, a lucky number 11, number two, or things that if they were going to re-release the original with deleted scenes, things that you guys would want to dive a little bit deeper into. And I think, Justin, you had one when we were talking about, um, which was just the history of the two mob bosses together, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Zach and I definitely agreed on that one. Yeah. Austin, I want to give you a chance to answer this first, though, because I have, I definitely have one, but I feel like we're always taking your shit. So I want to, <laughs> I want to I'd like you to go first so we don't steal your ideas again, if you have anything. He's going to steal all of the ideas. <laughs> uh, very, very appreciative of that. Um, I'll say I would enjoy a prequel of uh, Good Cat and Bad Dog. I would think, like, a rising story as to, you know, why he took him him explaining how this was a whole thing orchestrated and just his training, right? Because all the stuff that he would have to go through in order to like learn from good cat about being an assassin and being, you know, this person of deception and disguise. Like I would love to see that in an origin story of like maybe practice runs, like his first, this obviously wasn't his first mission, right? Like he had had, he would have had to been in other things in order for good cat to trust him enough to, lead him on to this so i would love to see that as in a prequel sense of here we'll give you we'll take the training wheels off see where it goes yeah i agree and i'm glad you went first because that was mine so i was going to steal yours again um i think (laughs) if this if a sequel was made today or if this movie came out today and they were going to do a sequel hands down it would be an origin story for good cat's character 
and mm-hmm. they would do uh, a complete background on who he was because I think he's one of the more interesting characters of the movie that doesn't get a lot of play but also has a really badass role that could work on his own uh, as like a solo side project. So yeah. I would love to have seen uh, more of Good Cats. I don't, I don't know if I'd love to see. I'd, I'd be curious to see for sure though. Uh, like a good cat movie. And then, yeah, agreed about the two mob bosses. I mean, I think the, the most interesting facet of the movie that we don't see is their history together. And, I, you know, I'm a big crime movie guy, big mob movie guy. And uh, they are sadly underutilized uh, in this movie, especially given the gravitas of those two actors. If they were playing serious mob bosses, you know, like true crime lords, I think would have been they're The weight behind both of them are just they're just so powerful yes. on screen. I think would have been super cool. But what do you think, Zach? Uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting to get like a uh, a like Scorsese esque origin story about you know mm-hmm. uh, the rabbi and the boss coming up together and maybe the dynamic of um, you know what it's like because we're assuming this takes place in like modern modern day in 2006 yeah so i think it might be interesting to see like their departure from one another and kind of like what was going on with like the jewish mafia and like you know morgan freeman and what you would assume is like the black mob you know Mm -hmm. i think a kind of like a not like the same style film but just maybe like an origin story of these characters done in like a gritty crime drama kind of like an american gangster yeah would be you know kind of cool mm-hmm. or just completely fucking wild and like a josh hartnett and lucy Liu, like 20 years later like what the fuck they're up to that's just what like josh, a yeah. rom-com of just like <laughs> you know just these two characters but a totally different type of fucking movie oh my god a rom yeah, yeah josh said yeah. Uh, hartnett wanted to do a slevin 2 with lucy Liu, where they're killing monsters like he trains her now to be an assassin and they're like a mr oh, and mrs smith cool. which couple together. transitions to pulp fiction or no uh kill bill excuse me yeah. which transit not nah, a million <laughs> different uh colorado <laughs> says more tucci and his transition from bad cop to good cop and the tension leading up to them killing each other's family I like that one a lot. I, That's an interesting one. Yeah, I think the Tucci character was extremely underutilized because I love him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, the two that I had thought of was one is um, a, like a prequel, and I think prequel is probably the most common you know, thing across all of us, but the prequel leads up and ends when uh, Good Cat picks up uh, Slevin. So it's a prequel about um, literally the rabbi and the boss before they even become the rabbi and the boss technically and it's about them getting the books back then and having to call out this order and it ends mm-hmm. where this movie's storyline technically picks up because then you don't like there's still you know some stuff that's unknown um, some stuff that you might be unaware of and then the other side of that is what happens now that um, the rabbi and the boss are both dead what happens to you know do the two mobs stay separate does it stop being a crime mob around there um, what exactly goes down in the prelude of both that might not have to have uh, Good Cat and Bad Dog in it? I want it to be like Rogue One, where it ends like 30 seconds before this movie like yeah. picks up. Yes, yeah. That'd there be fucking go. sick. That would yeah. be cool. Definitely. But, yeah, I mean, there's some things here that are certainly not as explored as they could be that would have made for a oh, good for sure. sequel. But Sidebar real quick. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but I think they were deleted scenes from either austin powers 2 or maybe gold member but it was like a um like it was called like a day in the life of a henchman 
Are you guys familiar with this? No. No, but if there's more Austin Powers <laughs> no. in the world, I want yeah, to. Yeah, I will consume go, it. <laughs> you go on YouTube, and the one is like the guy is a, a henchman at Dr. Evil's, and he's one of the guys that gets like shot with like a fucking laser on a shark. And then it cuts <laughs> to uh, who's, the, who's the guy from Parks and Rec that's number two in Austin Powers? The young version that's not Robert. Oh, Wagner. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Okay. So it cuts yeah, yeah, yeah. to Rob Lowe and a bunch of the henchmen at Hooters, and they're like, "Oh man, it's fucking Bill's bachelor party. It's gonna be great." And like the Shut Hooters waitress up. comes over and she's like, "We just got a phone call that Bill was killed in a work-related accident. And he's not gonna be here." And then it's like, they're just sitting there sad as shit at Hooters. And then there's another one where it's like this kid's like, "Mom, like, when's Dad coming home so we can play ball?" And she's like, "Oh God, honey." Your father's not coming home. He died at Dr. <laughs> Evil's oh secret lair today. I need to find Dude, these immediately. Yeah, there's two of them. They're I'm like seven minutes each, I think. All that, fucking hilarious. All that makes me think of is when they do Undercover Boss on SNL for Kylo Ren's starship. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of Kylo Ren's lightsaber? Let me go find it. Here it is. It's right here. And, like, it's, oh, I love behind-the-scenes stuff like that for, like, because you have those questions in Austin Powers where you're like, he's just shooting people with lasers and the henchmen yeah. are still there. Like, they're cool with it. And, uh, uh, I need more Austin Powers. I think he's probably too old to do number four even though they've been talking about it forever. i mean they're bringing back a lot of weird not weird but a lot of movies yeah. that that i mean i think that there was there's obviously a new bad boys coming out i want to there's a new dumber dumber coming out or something like there that. is uh production for uh colorado, wedding crashers appreciate you, buddy. yeah wedding crashers 2 is a big one. Oh, i'd love yeah. to see wedding crashers 2 though for sure one one more austin powers thing i saw this the other day on twitter and it's one of my favorite things i ever saw but it was this uh this woman being like, uh, in my acting class, we had to deliver a dramatic di- uh, monologue, and nobody <laughs> realized that I did uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember talking about his upbringing. It's amazing. I'll send, I, I'll I'll send it to you guys on Twitter. It's Love fucking that. hilarious. Is it her, like, her doing the monologue? Yeah, and she's Dramatically. Like, yeah. Extremely she's like, dramatically. Oh, wow. She's, like, crying. She's like, and when I was bad. I was placed in a burlap sack and beat with reeds. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, that monologue. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And, oh, and she's man. like, people in her class were like, cool with it. Yeah, and she delivers it <laughs> so powerfully. Oh, I was like, oh my that's god, that's fantastic. Genius. Need to watch that ASAP. Um, do we have overrated, underrated? Uh, for actors? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's go through our final segment here, which we always like to do at the end: is overrated, underrated for uh, the uh, characters in the movie here. I mean, actors, most of them speak for themselves. But, yeah, we'll go through them. So, Josh Hartnett, uh, I think I'm going to say slightly underrated now as an actor having watched this. And I think also slightly underrated his character of Slevin in the movie. Guys? I'll agree. Yeah, I'll say underrated with that too, especially with the interpretation of the actual character of Slevin. Yeah, I think underrated and uh, extremely. Nice. I, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, Lucy Liu, what do we think about her uh, in terms of her <sighs> in this movie and her as an actress? I think her as an actress probably a little bit underrated for sure. I mean, I mean, granted now you don't hear about her as much as you might have ten or fifteen years ago. I think she's still insanely talented yeah. and should be doing more. And then in this movie, I don't know if underrated is the, the right word. I'll say underused. I think she could have been yeah. in a little more. What do you guys think? I wouldn't have been pissed. More Lucy Liu would have. I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have minded. Would not have minded at all, baby. Maybe come back. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, come back. Austin, Derek, what do you guys think? Go to us. Yeah, I'll go along with that. That she kind of was just like the convenience portion of this movie. You know, she was placed where she was needed to be instead of just expanding the character. So underused, I'll say. 
Yeah, I have a very different stance than the universe on Lucy Liu in this movie where her, like, I'm just going to keep preaching it, her being the only unpredictable variable led to a lot more storylines and things like that. So I think that she was definitely underutilized. She is underappreciated and underrated. But I thought that for what 2006 could give us out of, a like, a quote-unquote the lead female in one way or another, there were definitely parts in this that were demeaning and stupid. Um, like you said, the, the relationship was just kind of Meh. It was right. kind of weird, but I thought that she she did a, an amazing job and was wonderful in it. Nice. So. Shout out to Lucy Liu. If you're watching, love you. Love you, baby. <laughs> uh, next we have Morgan Freeman, who in I mean in life will never be underrated. No. Um, in this movie, I think I don't think he was that great in this movie. Like Morgan Freeman, by nature of being himself, can do anything well, but I think his character in this movie was a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's. I mean, here's, here's the question I'll ask because you're correct that like, he didn't do much. Is there somebody that you guys would have plopped into either him or the next person we're going to talk about that you think would have been, would have been, you know, good as well? Because Josh Hartnett I thought was perfect to be the guy for that. Lucy Liu I thought was amazing. Uh, Morgan Freeman it almost feels like a waste of money in a sense because him he's great, mm-hmm. but like the movie didn't really lend to his acting chops if that makes sense like the movie itself was not of his caliber yeah. like him and ben kingsley were a little bit too too far beyond it, it felt that way even when they were on screen it kind of felt that way josh says samuel jackson i don't agree with that at all i think that would be terrible um i'm, I'm gonna sorry, throw josh, this one out there good uh maybe maybe denzel washington denzel is in the morgan freeman range i think where he's just so powerful mm-hmm. on screen and everything he does is just so intense. I don't know if I don't know if Den- if I could see Denzel doing it. Since it's kind of like a, a comedic movie to an extent, mm-hmm. I would I would give me Bernie Mac. Yeah, Bernie Mac kind of plays okay. a comedic hard ass as like the manager of the mall and yeah. or the the manager of the store mm-hmm. in Bad Santa. So like, I think this is kind of more so. I think the movie is comedic except for these two characters, which kind of makes it like a little like weird at times, you know, yeah. like we see some comedic aspects, but never from these two. Well, well the does he look like me? I look like you thing is kind of imagine that with fucking yeah. Bernie Mac though. with Bernie Mac <laughs> or like Eddie, Eddie Griffin. Yeah. Like is it Eddie too Griffin funny then be... though? Is it too comedic? That's a really good question. Maybe, but I don't think that would hurt them. I don't think that would hurt the movie. Okay. All. Bernie Mac would be yeah that would be uh, that's actually I like that a lot yeah, yeah. and I, then at at times and I'll wait till we get are we talking about the next one yet uh, no, J- no, no. Josh wrote in Cedric the Entertainer as well I take I take Cedric yeah uh, I think Ben Kingsley was was good I wouldn't have changed him because he has an element of like craziness like wild card like he there's a point in the movie where he does like some crazy Mandarin laugh and you're just like oh yeah this is like kind of he's kind of weird and scary yeah. at the same yep. time but like also kind of goofy. Ben Kingsley just a freaking enigma. Um, yeah, Morgan Freeman. I don't. I don't think like who. Who's like the B list Morgan Freeman? That's who I want in this movie. Someone who's like kind of serious but has like a dry. Who can do I like mean, easy humor. I hate to call him B list, but uh, one of the things that I thought about just in his resurgence of roles was Idris Elba, who is much much far away from the term B list. But I also think because what I was thinking about was his dry humor in The Office, yeah, and how the dry humor aspect of some of the lines could come off, but. Actually, I think I think Idris Elba would have been great in this movie because he would have, you know, 15 years ago he'd still be way on the up and up, and uh, 
like now i think he's too big for this movie but i think at the time he actually would have been really perfect because he has that you know that he could play a mob boss very well um, yeah. but also he wasn't really like a well-known guy so it's not like the movie would have been above him necessarily uh, oh, Wesley Snipes. Wesley. That's, Wesley. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the that's one. That's the one. I was looking no. at the we're looking at those. I was looking at Lawrence Fishburne yeah. for a little bit because I think he would have been really good. But yeah, Wesley Snipes would have been great. He's perfect. He's definitely like C list Morgan Freeman. Probably, yeah. probably not. Wesley's Bill Cosby. the one. <laughs> yeah. What if, um, Forrest Whitaker. What about that one? Or is that too crazy? I'm so embedded with Rogue One for Forrest Whitaker that every role seems like it's that guy. But I actually would really like that. Forrest Whitaker is a good choice. I don't know if he has like any comedic sense at all to him, but I I do think he would be good in this movie. What about like Ice T or like Ice Cube, <laughs> like even wow. Fifty Cent fucking Exhibit? Like, All these rappers, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, Michael, Michael Clark Michael, Duncan. Oh yeah, rest in peace. Rest oh, in peace, man. the goat. Yeah, yeah. There's some good ones out there. Or even like Ving Rhames. Yeah. But I mean, oh, at this point, we're just making good. it fucking yeah. pulp fiction. Jeffrey Wright, if he can get a little more serious. Ving not Rames that he's not, but good. yeah, those Lavar are some... Burton. Do I look like the boss to you with yep. that hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, he'd be great. He'd be real good. I'm uh, saying Bing or Wesley. Those are my guys. I think yeah, Wesley. I think Wesley would be it. Nice. Wesley's a good one, man. Okay. Uh, who's who we got next? A uh, couple left. Ben next Kingsley, obviously. Man. Yeah, I mean, Ben Kingsley as an actor, I, I. I feel like he's overrated because he's in so many things and he's so amazing in all of them. And I don't think that he gets the level of respect of like a lot of A-list actors. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just because he's on the older side, but Ben Kingsley's fucking amazing. Um, I don't think I I don't hear people talk about him all that much. Yeah, I agree. Who would you recast for Ben Kingsley? I, I don't think I would, because like I said, I think he's just got the right amount of like kind of powerful but also kind of crazy yeah. and like unhinged and a little bit like you don't know what you're getting with him and that comes from seeing ben kingsley in so many fucking different roles like the mandarin obviously is like yep. so bizarre and out there and uh in sexy beast where he's just like the baddest motherfucker around yep. like he, i mean he's just done so many things uh, josh awesome. wants frank langella instead of ben kingsley who's frank langella so apologies for having no brain uh he played nixon and frost nixon he's like one of those actors you've oh, seen all the time okay. but uh the old guy yeah well, that's what they call him, I guess. He's, <laughs> he's in some stuff. Yeah, I, definitely. I will say at, at points in the movie, just given some of Ben Kingsley's delivery, I got strong, like, I felt like I was watching somebody do this character if they were doing, like, Harvey Cattell doing the character. Once again, mm. I can't get away from fucking people in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but, uh, I would take Harvey Keitel. I also just watched The Irishman for like the 14th time the other day, so that might be it too. Nice. But. Josh threw in John Malkovich in the chat. That's oh, the winner right there. Yeah. That's the yeah. fucking winner. Yeah. John Malkovich is perfect because he's also like – he can be intense and scary, but he's also got that like deranged, Psycho bit to him, psychotic yeah. – yeah, just look to the him. The only other one I thought of, and he was, he was much too young to have been a, a crime boss at this time – um, is Tom Hardy's based off his character from Peaky Blinders, Alfie? Mm. Which if you if, I don't know if you guys seen Peaky Blinders. Nope. I've I've tried to start it a few times, but Oz, any luck with Peaky Blinders? Sense like two. Yeah, I, I've now. watched a little bit of it. I haven't like seen the whole thing through. But. Josh will probably be upset with the simple fact that he loves Tom Hardy and he loves Peaky Blinders, but he is I the love head. That hat. That's yeah, what I love. so he once again, and you know, he is. Uh, Alfie Solomons, he is the head of the, the Jewish mob center of England back in the day. Nice. And it's just like, this guy I could formally believe is Ben Kingsley's character, but at the time it would not yeah. have made sense. 
Did you guys ever watch Taboo? Anyone ever watch that Tom Hardy show? The same creator of uh, no. Peaky Blinders, Stephen Knight. I've wanted to see it, but I don't think I got. I don't think I had FX at the time that it yeah. aired. I think it only I did the one season. Yeah. And it, I think I actually got picked up for a second one, but they just haven't gotten to it yet. But uh, yeah, nobody seems to watch have watched Taboo, even though it was highly, it was pretty well rated, and it's the same core as Peaky Blinders. Um, and I'm always surprised that not as many people have seen Taboo. Wow. It says uh, season two is uh, going to release May of 2017, and then yeah. maybe 2018. So TBD. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, I guess not old enough, but I would take like Michael C. Hall. I okay. think he has like, yeah. a okay. certain kind of. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like Cold in July. Oh, okay. Isn't that Dexter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. he ha- I think he has the ability to play it like straight and serious, but still like, you know, deliver with like a certain sense yeah. of humor or whatever. Yeah. Gamer, yeah, definitely. Liam Neeson. No, he's just Ooh. no way, no way, no way. Too good. What about? Uh, <laughs> he's what, too too scary. You and McGregor. He'd be too happy. <laughs> just getting Even into the, it. He was too young at the time. He was too. He was doing train spotting. Well, no, that was 2001. I think this is 2006. What about he was like doing he, Obi Wan three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about like Michael Caine? I wouldn't buy him as Jewish. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a fair point. That was the tough thing but about do, looking I at do certain love people. Michael, is, I do love Michael Caine. I would believe that Michael Caine would be a, a, a mob boss. And the only I think, I, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but the only thing I can think of that he's even near that status is. Uh, now you see me, where he's the head of the company, and he's kind of the evil bad guy, but yeah. not really, but is, but not really, but is. Well, he did a shit ton of crime movies back in the day, like in the seventies, in really? the sixties and seventies, like Get Carter and The Italian Job, and all these fucking classic ah, British crime Italian movies. Job. He wow. was, yeah, a, a, but he wasn't like the head at the time. He was an actual, just like you know, a grunt guy. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I love Michael Caine. Um, all right, who else do we? I think we got two left here. We yep, got two here. We got the Tooch. The Tooch. Mr. Tucci. Tucci game. Who I Tucci fucking Tucci love Tucci and Tucci is Tucci definitely underrated as an actor. I mean, just I he's so freaking diverse. It's amazing. You look at like this versus The Devil Wears Prada, and he, but there's other movies where he's just beating ass. I mean, yeah, I love Tooch. Underrated for sure. They literally. Did you ever see when uh, Sam Rockwell hosted SNL? No. And they dubbed over Gucci Gang with Tucci Gang. No. And they talked about he's the greatest, like, secondary actor of all yeah. time. And how Sam Rockwell very much falls into that category as well. But it's literally them going, like, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang, Tucci Gang. Know him from <laughs> Hunger Games. It's like, know him from Hunger Games. And, like, goes, it's amazing. Yeah. But I- I'd love Tucci. He's so good. Has anyone seen the trailer for this movie, Supernova, with him and with Colin, Colin Firth? Firth? Yeah, yeah. He play- they're, like, gay, they're gay lovers, and they- but they're, like, older. And they are, like, growing apart as one of them has amnesia or oh, dementia no. or something. And it looks very – it looks great. I was on the verge of bringing it up, and then you said there's other movies where he beats ass. <laughs> and I was like, I can't fucking yeah. – I can't Sorry, fucking and I mean, say technically, it right I guess wow. probably. You um, like took it away from me. Yeah, I, Stanley Tucci is the one. This movie looks fucking incredible. Yeah, Tucci is going through, like, dementia or Alzheimer's or something. Yeah. As the as this gay couple is getting older, and it, it looks very beautiful actually. The trailer looks yeah. really touching, and the reviews are through the roof for it. And it just came out; it's coming out this year. I don't know if it's actually out yet. It's funny looking at the picture we're looking at. I instantly thought of uh, Kingsman, despite the fact that Stanley Tucci is not the bodyguard pilot, but he kind of right. In this he is not yes. Mark Strong. But Mark Strong, thank he you. He yeah. looks like him when he's bald. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hunger Games, Lovely Bones. I mean, he's just so many freaking things. Uh, I didn't know he was in BoJack Horseman. Yeah, BoJack Horseman, Austin. Oh man, Transformers! I, I forgot about. Oh that. yeah, right. Uh, yeah. He was in Spotlight. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Garabedian. Yeah. 
I yeah, he just has such a such a crazy career. And like every time you see him, you're like, oh, it's Space Jam. That's fun. Yeah, look at this, Julia, yeah. Julia, Easy A. I mean, he's just all over it. Captain America, yeah. Space Chimps too. All over the place. Zartog Strikes Back. Exactly <laughs> what people think of him for. Yeah, he did an episode of Monk for God's sake. He was David Ruskin. <laughs> he was in Frasier. Holy yeah. shit. The Terminal. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, Tooch is great. Love him. Uh, underrated for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right. So then the last one we have is the director Paul McGuigan who did nothing else that I've ever seen, but he did Wicker Man, <laughs> he did Push, he did a few episodes of Sherlock, which is the only thing I've seen, and then a bunch of TV. Um, did so he, did I, you do Wicker Man with Nick Cage? Yeah. Was that? It's okay, that's all, I need. that's all I need. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, I didn't see it. You but. didn't like it, Austin? Well, if yeah, yeah, we'll just say that. The bees, that's all I'll say. <laughs> the bees? I've never seen Wicker Man. Yeah, I haven't seen. I didn't see. Push. Give us, give us. What is Wickerman? Wickerman about us? So the the original Wickerman was really good. It was a suspense story in which you know a cop goes to this island to investigate the disappearance of this girl, and comes across that the uh, people inhabiting this island are a giant cult that eventually sacrificed the cop to keep their harvest going, to please the gods, to keep their harvest going, so they can grow crops. And when they made a remake of it with Nicolas Cage, it was more of your over-dramatic Nicolas Cage acting than I've ever seen. They literally placed like a cage on his head and put a bunch of bees, and he goes, No! No, not the bees! Not the bees! Oh, I, I know that meme. I know that clip. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was way too much. There's also a scene where he's in a bear suit, and he just punches a woman like in just out of nowhere. Uh, that, that wasn't was even really... in the movie. That was just what Nicolas Cage did that day. Like they just yeah. they were filming him as he was roll the, just going roll the about. Camera. Roll the camera. As he was going about his life. Yeah. So this guy did not direct the Wicker Man. He directed Wicker Park. Oh, yeah, Wicker, Wicker Park. <laughs> yeah. Not Wicker Man. I said Wicker Man. I meant Wicker Park. Oh, <laughs> <thank> Christ. <laughs> I was looking. I was like, it's like a rom com with Josh Hartnett, Rose Byrne, Matthew Lillard, and Josh Diane Kruger. Basically the same movie. Oh my god. <laughs> Basically the same movie. You yeah. like the bees, and I was like, more like the D-list actors. Holy yeah. Shit. <laughs> oh, Josh Hartnett's oh. in this one too. Sorry, Austin. I didn't mean to get you off on that. Uh, yeah, that's all right. I'm, I'm, that I'm was... glad that he didn't direct that. <laughs> yeah. Another Josh Hartnett classic. Yeah, Austin, can you tell us about Wicker Park instead? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's that about? <laughs> oh, oh, man, too man. funny. I will say Push is, Push is pretty good. Push isn't, like, it's, it's kind of in the same category of this one where, like, you know, if we're not doing a movie about it, don't go out of your way to watch it. Um, but Push is on Prime Video. You can watch it right now, which that's a lie because I had to pay for Lucky Number 7. But I, I enjoyed Push for another kind of like – and Austin, you mentioned – I would I would say Push is very aligned with Wanted, where it's a little more sci-fi action-y than Slevin, but the storyline is still uh, – it, it's of the same kind of like Snatch universe where it's, you know, oh, no, what's going to happen? We'll figure it out. Oh, that yeah. guy died. Nice. It's yeah, got I'd Chris say. Evans in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Human Torch Chris Evans, not Captain America Chris Evans. So I wanted to make that <laughs> that, that very, <laughs> yeah. that very pre, clear. Yeah, pre the Marvel world. Yeah, yeah. But, um, all right, boys. Well, that's our show this week. Uh, lucky number 11. A fun one, definitely. Uh, even though it felt like we were shitting on it a lot. But definitely a lot of cool things going it's, on. It's lighthearted Great. fun. It's lighthearted like fun. Yeah. Great actors. Uh, it's not too complex, but it has some good twists and stuff. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, definitely a fun one. So, great watch. Um, next week, I guess, is my pick. I have no idea what we're going to do. I didn't realize it was my turn. But 
we'll be back again, the four of us, uh, next Wednesday while Josh is away. Uh, I'll be picking a movie for us, and we'll see what that is. I'll let everybody know as soon as I figure it out. Wicker Park. It will be Wicker Park. I can promise you right now, mark your calendars, uh, another Hartnett classic, Wicker Park. But uh, that's it for Thoughts from the Movies this week, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Josh says, I'll be back next week. Do you guys want Josh on? I mean, I'm doing pretty fucking good. Whoa. 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 Power. Fired. Trying to get some Buzz Lightyear action here. <laughs> kicking him out. Sorry, buddy. But uh, no, it's great having Josh in the chat. Thanks for joining, bud. And we got some great comments in. So uh, pizza, we will see. Pizza. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the pizza. Sorry to shit on you in the middle of the show there. Didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Uh, we'll see everybody next week, Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Thoughts from the movies.